0: You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. So this morning we're going to be talking about stress. Oh, oh man, really? Yeah. And... uh So, everyone's looking good this summer. You're all getting more star damage. Really, these tans that we're getting are a result of the stress on our body. All that starlight damaging our cells, making our body produce more melanin to protect us. And uh, that's what we're talking about today stress. Some stress can be good, right? When we exercise and stress our muscles. Our body produces more muscles. And, of course, the Bible says in James that the testing of our faith produces perseverance, or in some translations, endurance. But then there is the bad kind of stress. Eventually, all that sunlight will result in a cell so damaged that it might develop into skin cancer. And the stresses of your life can beat you down. They can keep you fulfilling your purpose. And stress can push you away from joyful relationships with God, friends, and family. Today, we'll look at what stress is, where it comes from, and how to deal with it. So our starting point is Proverbs 25, or sorry, 1225. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. So, kids, what is stress? It's an adult word, isn't it? Well, it's the feeling when you go to the dentist, For the first time, (laughs) it's the feeling when you don't know what's going to happen. Maybe your microphone is falling off of your ear or when you're busy all day and you don't have time to play. Maybe there's too many extracurricular activities. Uh, it's the feeling when you get separated from your parents. Or maybe mom and dad are worried, and that makes you worried. Uh, maybe you saw something scary on the news, and you think it might happen to you. Or you're sick, or something happened to someone you care about, so it makes it harder to do normal things. Parents, have you ever had a bad day, and just wish you could call in sick? Did you call in sick? Recognize that your kids have bad days, too. There are some practical things that parents can do with their kids to reduce stress. You can spend time with your pets. Pets. You might have some cat, maybe a cat might be a cat. Oh, it'll, it'll catch up. You can pray or you can read the Bible together. Uh, you can have some nice quiet time uh, or free play time. You know, uh, as a kid, you can use your action figures or your your dolls to kind of play out those situations and get those feelings out where you can take a look at them. You can also prepare your kids for stressful activities like that trip to the doctor or maybe a long car trip. And uh, you can spend quality time together. There we go. And you can let them talk about what's bothering them. You can share your own feelings if they're having a hard time talking, and you you can tell them how you deal with your feelings. And then, finally, you can reassure them that it's normal to deal with these feelings. Everybody deals with stress. Nothing sinful about stress coming into your life. It's how we react to it. All right, stress has been with us for a long time. We haven't always called it that uh, in the Bible. For example, in Proverbs 12, 25, uh, new translation says anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. You go back a hundred years and it's heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. And if you go all the way back to the first English Bible. Mourning in the heart of a just man shall make him meek, and he shall be made glad by a good word. It's easy, you just got to sound it out, right? It's interesting how the definition of the cause of stress changed from mourning to heaviness to anxiety, but the the solution stayed the same, a good word. In the New Testament, if we move from the Old to the New... Through time, we're traveling through time to Matthew 6:34. Be not, therefore, anxious for tomorrow, for, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, Matthew records Jesus' command concerning stress. Don't do it. Sermon over. Job done. Just kidding. You're not getting off that easy. The commonly used word for stress in the English language has changed several times over the past 500 years. So, we've got... Busy, it just means you had too much stuff to get done in the time that you had. Then it moved on to careful, which means that you took all your cares and you were full of them all. And then worry, which is much more modern and anxious, which is what you'll find in most Bibles. And then since 1932, stress has been the word that we've commonly used to communicate this turmoil, this mental anguish that we've been going through. Closely related to the word stress is frustration, uh, which went from travail to vexation, to striving. So in the Old Testament, New Testament, Middle Ages, modern times, people have struggled with stress throughout the course of human history. There's nothing new under the sun. And, you know, Proverbs says that stress is worse than being malnourished. In 17.1, better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. And then, carried to its ex- 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 extreme, stress can cause depression. 1814, the spirit of a man can endure his sickness, but as for a broken spirit, who can bear it? Now, depression can have multiple causes. It's just like cancer. You may It may take you a while to figure out where it's coming from. But there's no more shame in going to the doctor for mental health than there is for a broken bone. No one would expect you to walk around on a broken leg. Extreme stress can cause depression, and there are people who can help. Not that guy, though. And one sermon will probably not be enough to find your way out. There's no one simple trick. Uh, But you can find a good Christian counselor who you can talk to and who will refer you to a good psychiatrist uh, if you need some medication. There is a new Christian counseling center that's opening up in September. Greg, if you can raise your hand. If you want any more information about that, you can talk to Greg and he can give you the details. But who can bear a crushed spirit? It might take some help, right? But there are other people. There are people that can help you with that. So Dr. Sonia Lupien from the Center for Studies on Human Stress has come up with an entertaining acronym for stress. Is it driving you nuts? So, uh, not to make light of anything, you know, anybody with mental illness, it just, she just uses the word nuts. And that stands for uh, N is novelty. So new things happen. We turn to God for wisdom for that, right? Unpredictability. So we can't predict the future. We can trust in God and his plan. Uh, threat to ego. So God has an identity and an assurance for us. We can find and do it. And sense of self-control. So control, of course, is an illusion. You might be able to control a few things, but most things are out of your control. But we can trust in God instead, right? He has a plan. Uh, her quote is, stress does not make the difference between a six-year-old and a 65-year-old. Activation of the stress system will lead to the production of stress hormones in both individuals. However, the chronic production of stress hormones will delay brain development in the six-year-old, while it will accelerate brain aging in the 65-year-old. So this is something we experience despite or uh, uh, at all ages. Uh, and then there's one more, expectation versus reality. That can be the exclamation point at the end of NUTS. Sometimes what you expect to happen does not happen and when reality kicks in that mismatch can cause stress in your life So this morning, we're gonna combine n and U together uh, the novelty and the unpredictability and nuts both Are under sort of the heading of things happen, right? So some stress can be prevented by stopping the bad things from happening in your life if we act in wisdom and don't text and drive Then we won't get a ticket for texting and driving. Except for that one lady who got a ticket from the same cop that I did, and she claimed that she was picking at a hangnail and then actually brought in a picture of that hangnail to court. And the judge asked how he could tell that it was her finger. And she just said it was and he ruled in her favor. So. I guess sometimes bad things happen to us despite our good behavior, but let's be honest, most things, good or bad, happen because of the choices we make. Proverbs three seventeen to 18, this is speaking of wisdom personified, her ways are pleasant ways and her, all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who hold her fast. And again in Proverbs 3, 21 to 26, my son let them, speaking about the Proverbs, not vanish from your sight keep sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck then you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble when you lie down you will not be afraid when you lie down your sleep will be sweet do not be afraid of sudden fear nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes for the lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught and proverbs 4:20-23 20 my son Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Can I just point out something here in the first part of Proverbs? Basically, you have two figures here that are fighting for your attention. Wisdom personified as a woman. And the other one is the archetype of all types of women you don't want your son to go out with. We've talked about this in the series before, right? But now the same principles apply to both men and women here. Remember, this was just written by Solomon to his son, right? Proverbs is in the context of a father-son talk. Uh, anyways, the thing I want to point out is that the evil woman has things that she's enticing the young man with. And we tend to put our focus on resisting the evil temptations. But look at wisdom in Proverbs 9, 4 to 6. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, come, eat of my food and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. This is wisdom talking. here, not the evil woman. Don't forget all the benefits of walking in God's wisdom. Let them tempt you. Let your bank account fill up because of wise choices. Let your sleep be sweet because you have used God's wisdom to make the best of your circumstances. Let your life be long because you've allowed wisdom to tempt you to listen to the still, small voice inside you, encouraging you to make good choices. Remember, the choice is not between succumbing to temptation and resisting it. Resisting is just the first step. The choice is between being foolish or wisdom. Will you simply resist the donut and suffer in hunger? Or will you fill that void by executing wisdom and make a delicious salad? But, been having that conversation with myself lately. But what about when bad things happen anyway? I mean, you've exercised your wisdom and... That happened to me this morning, actually, in that first bathroom there. God said that He would be with us in our suffering. That He would send the Holy Spirit to comfort us. Let's take a look at this relationship God offers us. So, a solution if bad things happen. I should expect eternal separation from God because I'm a sinner. But instead, I'm saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. If I contrast what I deserve with what I got, I can be grateful every day. Because I came to saving knowledge of the Lord much later in life than my children, I remember the depravity and hopelessness of a life without Christ. <laughs> if you don't remember living without the hope of Christ within you, good. That means you got saved early in life. But. That blessed assurance of eternal life in heaven has robbed you of one thing. Comparison. So think for a moment what your life would be like without the peace, hope, and love that comes from the Holy Spirit living in your heart, speaking to your spirit every day. The utter loneliness of the unredeemed human spirit drives unbelievers to all manner of distraction. They divert themselves to keep from having to think about the aching emptiness of a life without God. Longtime Christians may go through something called a wilderness experience. We don't have time for that right now. I'm not going to do eight more tips. Don't get me wrong. A Christian can end up the same way if they neglect their relationship with God. Uh, how good is your marriage or your relationship with your children or your parents when you ignore them? Uh, Take a moment to think about the last time you spent in prayer, praying, then listening to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Speaking love and direction to your heart and mind. Did God tell you to deal with some sin and you decided not to? Did He tell you that He loved you and you chose not to believe it? Did He tell you to move to none of it and you refused? I can understand why you would resist that last one, but seriously, when was the last time you sat down and spent time with God? If you're feeling stressed out, why not go to the one who cares for your soul and ask for help and then receive his help? Let's pray. God, give us ears to hear what you're saying, step into our lives and tell us what heavy yokes we have taken up. Give us the light burden of following you and help us to cast off the chains of sin that we have stepped back into. Your word says that if any lack wisdom to ask of you who gives liberally, so we ask for wisdom, Lord, to deal with the concerns of this life as you want us to. Bring us into the knowledge of the path that you have laid out for us and give us the strength to walk forward and make the tough decisions to follow you. Thank you for your freedom to walk in the light, free from the bondage of the enemy's plan or our own selfish desires. We thank you that although we deserve death and separation from you, you chose to send your son that we might be redeemed and have fellowship with you. Help us to be continually thankful of our salvation and the life lived with you. Amen. You may be thinking, what? The solution to bad things happening is just to be thankful? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Actually, it is. Uh, Of course, you're going to do what you need to do to mitigate the bad things that happen. You got the parking ticket, you go pay it. But you already know that. I don't need to tell you about that. The important thing is how you react to it. A stressful thing happened. Do you let it steal your joy? No. You turn to the one who saved you and respond with thankfulness for what you do have. Now, the T and nut. Threat to the ego. Nuts. Threat to the ego. Uh, how many have worked at a job? Dog. 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 How many of you have worked at a job where you did a very simple thing over and over again? And how many were doing that simple thing when something went wrong somewhere else in the job and you were glad that the only thing you had to do was that one simple thing? It gets kind of boring and repetitive. Okay, now the opposite. Who's worked at a job with minimal training and big responsibilities only to get frustrated and fail and then get blamed for that failure? How you like getting blamed for not meeting the standards when your boss came back to check on you? But God is not like either of those extremes. God will meet you where you are. When you come with an open heart, God will reveal his plan to you as you're able to hear it. He won't question your competency because he knows exactly what you can do now i'm an adult a father and a husband so for me it is the expectation to be able to uh, contribute to society provide for my family and raise my children the expectations that you internalize have a direct effect on your feelings of self-worth and fulfillment so what if i'm not contributing to society not able to provide, and failing to raise my children. Now, feel free to substitute expectations of your own. Society may expect things of you, or maybe you put things on yourself. The solution is to see yourself as God sees you. The salad had expectations, but the cheese let him down. You should, he should have been happy uh, to be what he is, healthy. Uh, God sees us as an accepted child of God, full of potential and love despite our weaknesses. He takes us as we are and molds us into the best person we can be. Our identity can be in our occupation, orientation, status as parents, grandparents, hobbies sports teams some can be good some bad but all fall short of true fulfillment our correct and fulfilling identity should be as children of god and now to the s in nuts sense of control Now, that's an example of positive stress for some. They lost all control, but willingly, and they knew they would get it back, hopefully not stuck upside down. There are many things you can't control, like wind, Ecclesiastes 8.8. 8, no man has authority to restrain the wind with the wind or authority over the day of death. It's a tricky one. There are two Hebrew words here that are very close, Beruah and Haruah. Sure, I'm not pronouncing those right. Uh, one means wind, the other spirit. They're different words, but both here are translated as wind. Uh, this verse is a bit like saying you can't control a gust with a breeze. Try going outside and blowing west and see if the wind in Lethbridge changes directions. There's a double meaning to these words, though, in that these words can also be translated as spirit. As in the breath of life so yes you cannot blow air out of your mouth and change the direction of the wind you also can't force another person's spirit to remain in their body although you want them to live this proverb works on many levels the main point is that there are many things that are out of your control kids you may feel that you aren't the boss about anything even as adults there are actually very few things we can control in our lives but there is one thing, and that's how you respond to what the world presents you. You can control your choices and how you react to others. And you can choose to submit to God's will or follow your own. And now for that, that bonus, that exclamation point at the end of nuts. This is the expectation versus reality. Or as I like to call it, what to do when your dream dies. Which sounds, you know, very dramatic. But maybe it's just that you're... Ice cream fell on the sidewalk. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, "Hope deferred makes the heart sick." Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Uh, modern humans are dissatisfied with what they can do compared to what they actually do. So I would call this unrealized opportunity. In past centuries, the vast majority of mankind found themselves limited by the circumstances to one small village or farming community. The most they could hope for was a spouse and kids to attend mass on Sunday and a simple existence through a life of farming or trades work. The upside was that most people accomplished just about everything they could aspire to. Modern man has almost infinitely more possibilities. While only an intrepid explorer could travel to Asia a few hundred years ago, today you could fly halfway around the world in less than a day in great comfort. You could see the sights and be back at work the next week. In our modern society, we can hope to change our class or our income level. A pauper son could grow to be the richest man in the world. Our media surrounds us with stories of these underdogs that make good left with a wide-open vista of possibilities for our life. Most people make grand plans and hopes for what we can do with our 70 years, and then most of us fail. I mean, what do dreams look like when they die? Are there any astronauts here? Prime ministers? Disappointments in life can give way to depression. If you take away someone's dream, you also remove their motivation. To recover purpose, you have to find a new direction. And God can restore our hope. Ten lessons? Not now. We don't have time for that. But sometimes God will give us a new hope. Unattained goals, unreached dreams, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Holding on to failures and shortcomings of our life constantly tugs our vision towards the past. Instead of looking towards the future, we dwell on what we cannot change, which is history. In order to live the rest of our lives without regret, we must let go of failures and the fear of failure. The future still contains tremendous possibilities if we allow God to redeem the days we have left. Move on from the past. Seek guidance for the future and move positively towards the renewing of your mind and the new path for your life. Uh, There is hope. Again, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So should we even hope if we're let down sometimes? Or... Should we be careful what we hope for? People's happiness is most often determined by how their expectation meets reality. This can often be a great source of stress or elation. The change in perspective between someone getting an order wrong in a restaurant and a person starving to death getting a morsel of food can be quite different. The person in the restaurant is getting nice and hot food, but it's a ruined evening because it's not exactly what they ordered. A person without any food is happy to get something at all. The difference in this case between levels of happiness is completely in the expectation. The key to happiness here is a shift in your perspective. This is not simply lowering your expectations. The shift in perspective should be one that allows you to keep goals that are high with thankfulness and satisfaction even when you receive less. Persian, known by his pen name Sadi, said, I never lamented about the vicissitudes of time or complained of the turns of fortune, except on the occasion where I was barefoot and unable to procure slippers. But when I entered the great mosque of Kufa with a sore heart and beheld a man with feet, I offered thanks to the bounty of God, consoled myself for want of shoes and recited, a roast fowl is to the sight of a satiated man less valuable than a fresh The the blade of fresh grass on the table and to him who has no means nor power, a burnt turnip is a roasted fowl. This is often shortened to I cried because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet and is cited as a motto that Helen Keller used to keep herself from self-pity. Comedian Stephen Wright said, I was sad because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. So I said, got any shoes you're not using? Proverbs 27, 7 echoes this. If you have had enough to eat, honey doesn't taste good. But if you're really hungry, you'll eat anything. Even when you, the poo can have too much honey. But when you're hungry, you can be happy with just about anything. Proverbs 15, 16 to 17. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil without it. Or with it better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fattened ox served with hatred a great source of stress comes from when expectation and reality clash resulting in a disconnect between what we feel we're entitled to and what we get my wife is out and I'm watching my five children like she is right now thank you and I expect the night to be nice and calm and peaceful with a nice clean house afterwards And they're screaming their heads off, then I'll be stressed out. If I change my expectations to having some fun with them and them making it to the end of the night alive, then my level of stress will go down, and my satisfaction will go up, because expectation meets reality. In this case, expecting your life to be like the sitcom family on TV will lead to disappointment, but also stress and letdown in your expectation. Perhaps we should not be measuring our lives by what we hear in the media as being normal or what we think other families in the church are like. In fact, when I talk to one on one for more than a few minutes with anyone in the church, I find that they struggle with the same difficulties in life that I do. Company coming over. job, boss, co-worker conflict, money troubles, struggling with raising your kids. This can also affect your self-esteem. Proverbs 27, 7. For as he thinks within himself, so is he. If you set up expectations for yourself that are unrealistic and fail to meet them, this will lend itself to a downward trend in your self-esteem. The next time expectations are not met, you may set higher expectations for yourself. Your goals climb higher and higher to make up for your shortcomings. I didn't pray today, so tomorrow I'm going to Twice as long. I didn't read the Bible today, so tomorrow I'm going to read twice as much, trying to catch up and meet these unrealistic expectations. While occasionally, even regularly, failing leads to a culture of failure in your personal life and deflated self-esteem. If instead we turn to Christ and see us as He does, laying down our heavy yoke and picking up His light burden, then we will accomplish the mission that He has for us. This brings true fulfillment and raises our self-esteem because we can see ourselves as God sees us happy and satisfied with his children who are trying this leads to success building on success greater confidence and an increase in self-esteem and feelings of self-worth the two things that are essential to this build up are an ear to hear what God wants us to do and a willing heart to do God's will now here proverbs 13:12 uh, the whole verse Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Let's pray. God, give us ears to hear you. God, give us a willing heart to do your will. Now, amen. Now, here are some sources of stress in Proverbs along with their solutions, read proverbs we're not going to go over all of these There's not enough time we have to take a month so as you go through proverbs you'll see these come up over and over again problem solution problem solution i'm looking at that worst first one foolish children wise children and i'm thinking how can i accomplish that mission but um you're kind of on your own you're gonna to have to read it yourself read it to your kids The end. Now, communion. We're uh, we're gonna take communion together uh, after the Last Supper. Jesus was experiencing so much stress in the Garden of Gethsemane that he was sweating blood. This is a condition called Spoo might have to help me out here. He, hematidrosis. He says, oh, yeah, he says uh, in which severe mental anxiety activates the sympathetic nervous system to invoke the stress flight or fight or flight response to such a degree as to cause hemorrhage of the vessels supplying the sweat glands. It has been suggested that acute fear and extreme stress can cause hematidrosis. That was from Wikipedia. I didn't. Jesus took the burden so that we could be free. God wants us to lay it down. Psalm 55, 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So please come on up, receive communion. And um, when you get back to your seats, just say a prayer. You know, God, what? Where's the stress coming from? What can, what do, what do you want to say to me? And then respond to the Holy Spirit this morning.